Well, we're going to turn in our Bibles once again to uh, the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis, which is page 6, I believe, in the Pew Bible. And I'm going to read from verse 14 to the end. We've been going down through this chapter this last couple of Sunday mornings and looking at Abraham and uh, taking his faith and the way that he showed his faith and failed in his faith as examples for us as we walk the same walk of faith in our experience. And we come to this little part now. And so it was when Abraham came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman. If you remember last week we saw um, Abraham on his way down to Egypt and he said to his wife, uh, you're a beautiful woman. Uh, they want you and not me. They kill you, me and not you. So tell them you're my sister so that everything will be well with me because of you. That's where we ended up last week, remember? So this is Abraham now as he gets uh, to Egypt and his concerns were realized. So it was when Abraham came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abraham well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh, Pharaoh's, Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah's, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Isn't it strange how just one wrong decision that you and I make can cause such an amazing negative domino effect and take us through situations that we needn't go through but we find ourselves floundering while we're in them. You know, we're just going to think of David, of course, with, uh, with his sin with Bathsheba. One wrong move, just one, just a, uh, a lingering glance that would lead to something else, that would lead to something else, that would lead to something else, that then would lead eventually to the man to a man's death, and to almost David's demise as well. Just one mistake, one wrong decision, and so many people suffer, and so many things go wrong, and we become so impotent in the things, what did David say? Um, take not your Holy Spirit from me return to me the joy of my salvation I can't tell others about you because I am in this state you know he was completely useless as far as what God had called him for because of one wrong decision you know here it is uh, with Abraham you know, he, we saw last week that he shouldn't have gone to Egypt in the first place that's not where God called him to be that's not what, where God had placed him but he went down to Egypt. He made a, a wrong or a, um, a wrong decision. He made a mistake. 
You know, he shouldn't have said that Sarah was Sarah was his sister. But of course, and then look at the story, he, he had to. You know, he shouldn't have accepted the gifts that Pharaoh gave him. But he had to. And then of course we see the humiliation of him being sent out with his tail between his legs. This prince, you know, who should have been uh, accepted as uh, a man about town, a diplomat, and yet here he is being hounded out. Because of a series of dominoes that fell because of one simple mistake. And we find Abraham in this, uh, in this passage in a great mess. Confused. Disillusioned perhaps. And afraid. But it was because of one wrong decision. So how did he get into this mess in the first place? How would we analyze what was going through the mind of um, Abraham that took him down to Egypt in the first place? Why did he make such a, an error of judgment? This great man, this man that God had chosen, that God was going to use, and that we look up to. In, in, from our perspective, we looked up to him as a man of faith, a father of the faithful, a friend of God. How did he make such a Simple mistake. You know, and I, you know, I've sort of imagined his conversation. But I'm on a mission. God has chosen me to go on a mission. I've been chosen by God to bless all the families of the earth. This is me. This is my job. This is why I'm here. This is why I exist. I've come to do what God has called me to do. Now then, here he is. In a land that is ravished with famine. I'd be no good to God if I'm dead. I can't stay here and starve and my family with me. I would be stupid. God has called me. I've got a job to do. I've got a mission. I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to save myself. Otherwise, I'll be no good to God. How will I, on earth will I do his will if I die of hunger? You know, then these, these super spiritual um, sort of thoughts that might spin around his head. Perhaps this is, it's God's will that I go down to Egypt. Perhaps this is how he's going to tell me. Or how he's going to show me to get me down to Egypt. Perhaps this is way of telling me. That I must go down there for a while. You know, and I suppose we've all done something like that. Made a decision in the flesh and tried to... Uh, justify it in the spirit thought that our mission was important enough for us to step outside God's will in order to accomplish God's will because that's what Abraham is doing so eager to fill, fulfill God's will is he that he steps outside God's will and does it his own way is that how we should do it is that how we should do it? Well, when we look at Abraham, he finds himself in a weird situation. Because his failure to do the will of God was actually caused by his eagerness to do the will of God. You know, we must be very careful that we don't pick up random events and circumstances and little conversations and use them in our discerning of God's will for our lives. Well, this must be what God wants. This must be what God is saying to us. This is the way that God is leading. 
Let's think about Abraham. Did he need a famine to get him down to Egypt? No, God had called him to Bethel. Get out to a place I will show you. And just stay there. That was the, the word of God. That was the plan of God. That was the purpose of God. It was Abraham that added these little things. Abraham that took God's will into another direction. You know, and uh, listen, listen to what God said to him. Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in all the families of the earth, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Can anybody see Egypt in God's word? How many times have you and I ever been down to Egypt? But all the time God had never ever said such a thing. Now I don't want us to, uh, this morning, dare criticize Abraham. Because if you notice in the scriptures, God doesn't. He's never brought to book. Uh, I suppose the circumstance was a little bit of a, a kick up the backside for him. But he was never sort of um, condemned by God for this. And, and therefore we shouldn't either. And we dare not because we are exactly like him. And the condemnation that would be heaped on him would turn around and be heaped on us. But it does tell us one thing. That God holds us responsible for the way we interpret His will. You know, that's a big thing. God holds us responsible for the way we interpret His will. You know, and again it is through the renewing of our minds. I said last week that um, the renewing of our minds... Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in doing so, you will prove what is the perfect will of God for you. You know, very often we think of the don't be conformed to the world as all the bad things that are in the world. But there are so many legitimate things that are in the world. You know, to save yourself from famine is a legitimate course of action. I suppose most of us would have thought to me that, well, we're not going to get anything here. Let's go down there. So what Moses had to do, he had to renew his mind. In humanly thinking, the best thing to do is to escape. Get from this famine torn land and get down to a place that's flowing with food. You know, it's obvious. It's natural. It's Practical. I said last talk last week about expediency and practicalities. Yes, it was practical. To get down to Egypt. You know, so what he was doing wasn't sinful in any way. It was practical. But what Abraham had to do was renew his mind even in this. Well, let's sit down and think. The practical thing is to escape and get down to Egypt. But look, I've got God's word. I've got God's word. So he starts to wear, he should start to wear. Well, use the practical, use expediency, use what is legitimate. But use God's word. And I suppose that in every circumstance that we find ourselves in, when God has called us or chosen us or shown us his will, and something has popped up that would legitimately take us somewhere else, then we must go to that Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 verse and say, 
Let's not be conformed. Let's not do what everybody would do. Let's not do what it would be practical to do, wise to do. We use all the words. Let's do what God has called us to do. Let's look at God's word again. Let's see this call again. Let's examine it again. Let's see if we can find Egypt in there. No, but however, how hard you uh, sort of screw the, verse, the verses up from, from the beginning of the chapter, you'll never find Egypt. And so, Abraham was responsible for the choice that he made because he hadn't renewed his mind in the things of God to prove what is the acceptable and pure will of God. Every circumstance should be like that. See, that's why we are called to live in this land that we live in. You know, the world has a wisdom all of its own. Not saying us as well. We're of the world. Or we're part of the world. we get got a wisdom all of our own. You know, our wisdom would take us here and take us there. But God says, no, renew your mind. Get back to the word. Let's check it out. Let's see. Let's see what God wants. What God has said. What God would do. That's the important thing. You know, we must learn to tell ourselves the truth on the basis of God's word. And not on the basis of some independent spiritual impulse. Or natural, uh, legitimate response to our situations. I've got the verse down, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in every circumstance, in order that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know, we're on tricky ground here this morning. And do you know that our hearts can be very, very deceitful and almost convince us that God is wrong and we are right? Now, there must have been a battle in the heart of Abraham on that morning that he chose to go to Egypt. This battle of his heart. Who's right? Who's right? So there's a battle always. And our hearts can be very deceitful. So we need as uh, Christians, individual Christians, and perhaps corporate as a church this morning, we need always to be diligent in these things and to overcome our heart and our heart's desire when it conflicts with what God is saying to us. Now if you think of Jonah, he had a similar situation. And Jonah blatantly sinned against God's will. And if you notice when the story of Jonah, he exercised no surprise at all with the consequences of his actions. When he was on that boat, going to Tarshish, sleeping, sleeping in, the, in, the, in the hull, or whatever he was, he knew what was coming. That's why he made himself scarce. He knew it was no surprise to him that they were in a storm. There was no surprise to him that there was a big fish that was going to eat him. He perhaps he didn't know the, the sort of the, uh, the, the actual basic things it would take, but he knew that something was coming. This is what he said. He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may calm for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. 
And he said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. It was no surprise. Because he'd sinned. Blatantly rejected the word of God. Now Abraham, I don't think he sinned. I don't think he blatantly rejected the voice of God. I think it was more of an unconscious transgression that uh, Abraham made. Because he would have been totally astonished at his circumstances. How am I here? I'm doing the will of God. I'm saving myself to be able to bless the families of the world. Why am I going through the problems I'm going through? You know, and there is a difference between Jonah, who rejected God's word, and Abraham, who interpreted God's word. Why isn't it working out properly for me? I'm trying to do the will of the Lord, and everything seems wrong. You know, I think sometimes you and I get too tied up trying to do God's will. You know, especially as youngsters. You know, when youngsters, when we were up the bush as youngsters, everybody was looking for signs about God's will. This must be God's will. That must be God's will. You know, if somebody picked up, a, you know, a penny that had an Irish... My, it must be, I must be bound to go and be a, a missionary in Ireland, looking for little snippets of things. And of course, then we were uh, sort of uh, encouraged to do that as we go to conferences, and they said, let's put the fleece out. See what God is wanting me to do. You want your testimonies about a fleece was put out, and, and everything was perfect. And you're thinking, where's our fleece? Where's our fleece? What's God want me to do? What do you want? They torment themselves sometimes. As to what's God's plan for, for them to do this. So eager. As Young says, you know when you can't fault it really. You can't fault the eagerness of the young to want to do something for God. You know, that's, that's probably in us. And in one way it's a good thing. But in another way it could cause so much pain. An Arctic. Because we go about it the wrong way. Let's look at Jesus a minute. You know, do you know that the whole plan of salvation depended upon Jesus? It actually depended upon Jesus doing God's will. <laughs> He'd come to take away the sins of the world. It was God's will. He'd come to die on behalf of everyone. It was God's will. You know, everything about Jesus' life was God's will. But do you know what he did between the age of 1 and 30? He did nothing at all. And you might be thinking, I've been thinking, well, what a waste of time. God himself was on the earth for 30 whole years and did nothing. Nothing at all. But watch him at his baptism. And immediately he fulfills God's will. Because he lives in God's will. All the time. He'd read the Old Testament. You know, if he didn't know when he came, he would have known when he read the Old Testament. Well, it looks like if this is God's will. It looks like if this is God's will. You know, when uh, Peter sort of uh, 
identified him on the mountain and said, You were the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, I. But have you read Isaiah 53, Peter? Because Isaiah 53 tells me that it's God's will that I go up to Jerusalem, be taken captive, and crucified. It's God's will. But Peter was aghast. No way are you going to do that, Lord. No way. But you see, God's will is here, written in the Word. Jesus followed it to the letter because he wasn't out to do God's will, but he lived in God's will. And I think there's a big difference between doing God's will and actually living in God's will. And he did nothing for 30 years. You know, here Abraham is trying to push things and ends up receiving shame at the hands of Pharaoh. Can you imagine how he must have felt when Pharaoh showered him with gifts? And it was all based on a lie. Everything that he'd said was a lie. And Pharaoh was so taken up with Abraham, he was the guy. He must have felt disastrous, wretched. And I'm receiving all these gifts from you, and I told you the biggest lie of all. And in fact, if you go any further with my wife, you will sin against God because of me. What a place to find himself in. This man, who had been called of God, had missed out so much because he wanted to do the will of God instead of living in the will of God. You know, Jonah's actions as well brought calamity upon those that became embroiled with his circumstance. Now they were afraid for their lives. Why? Because they had done anything wrong? No, because one among them was in the wrong place with God. Did Pharaoh do anything wrong? Of course he didn't. But the Bible says there were plagues. Because among them was someone who was out of step with God. Which means that we've got to be very, very careful. I believe an awful lot of the calamity that exists in the world today is because the church is so weak and has taken a step to the left or to the right and it's had lost its place in society because we are looking for the will of God. We're looking to do this in the legitimate way. But you see, God wants us to stand on the word of God. You want the people get embroiled with certain things because we are outside that will of God. No such incident with Jesus. Rather than doing the will of God, lived in it. You will always remember when me and Pauline were in uh, Corfu ministering and uh, there was a number of ministers there, big ministers, uh, who had been uh, invited uh, to see the, the setup of the, the hotel in Corfu. And um, unfortunately for me, it was my turn to be the minister. And you were uh, sort of leaders of movements. But I was worried sick all the way through uh, the week. But the amount of um, encouragement they had as a young minister was amazing because this, this old guy or this sort of middle-aged fella uh, he was at the time he was a Baptist minister and he lived in Manchester and he wanted to he felt called to be a Baptist minister in Manchester and as he was going through his training and preparing for this call to be a Baptist minister in Manchester he received a call from London and he thought that can't be right I'm sure the call was from Manchester. I, that can't be right. And then God showed him. He says, I don't so much want you to be a pastor in Manchester. 
I don't so much want you to be a pastor in London. What I want you to be is a pastor. And if you live in my call, then leave the rest to me. So he, re he responds, res uh, responded to the call in London, went down there, and as soon as he'd gone down there and set everything up and started the work, then God took him back to Manchester. It was an amazing story that he told. You know, and he sort of drew a, uh, for us on the map, he drew a, a circle uh, on the map, and the circle included London and Manchester. And he says, for me, that's the will of God. And I live in it. I live in it. You know, it was a, a great lesson uh, for me uh, as a young minister way back there. You know, he had, at that point, he had the biggest church in the whole city of Manchester. And he was talking to me who had the smallest church in Merthyr. So it was a real uh, encouragement to me. Don't fret over God's will for your life. Don't maneuver it. Don't push it. Don't rush it. Live in it. Live in it. But what about these gifts then? That were given to Abraham by Pharaoh. Are they got anything to say to us this morning? Well, I remember David emphasizing the danger of receiving gifts from people in the world. Remember when he was doing uh, the, the story of Daniel? A number of years ago, you were on a Thursday. And Daniel and his three friends had been uh, chosen to be a part of the lavished gifts of um, Nebuchadnezzar. They were to eat like kings. The meat and the fruit and the wine of the tower was going to be there. They were going to live like kings. Everything that they needed was going to be splashed on them. I remember David talking to us and saying how dangerous it is to put yourself at the disposal of people like that who can then manipulate you in so many different ways I've given you this, I've given you that I've given you the other now I wonder if you'd bow down to an image I'm putting up in the, in the plain of China I wonder now if you can do this I wonder now if you can do that ah but I've given you all these lovely gifts you want David outline for us and it was wonderful to, to, to understand that that they that uh, the gifts of the world to us come with a snare. You know, Daniel and his three friends, they realized the danger, of course. And they lived on pulses and water instead of the niceties of, Bab of Babylon. And do you know they lived for God all their lives? Even to the throwing in of the, in the, of the burning, fiery furnace, even to the throwing in of the lion's den. Made no difference to them. If we live, we live to the glory of God. If we die, we die to the glory of God. That's what they said. Why? Because they were in the will of God. And they haven't been compromised in their faith by receiving the gifts of men. Do you know that there's been two great universal mistakes made in human history? If you can call them mistakes, of course. The first one is the fall. The fall that plunged humanity into sin, death, and hell. The second big mistake is the birth of Ishmael, which has plunged the world into bitter and bloody division, which we see in our world today. Hagar, where did she come from? How was she, how was Hagar arrived on the scene? How was she a part of Abraham's company? 
Didn't God say to Abraham, come out from among you, among the family, come from your place, don't take anybody, just go. So how on earth did he pick up Eager? Where did she come from? How was she caught up in this mistake? Well, let's listen to the incident in Genesis chapter 15. And Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Eager, who made the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abraham, to be his wife. Took Eager, who made the Egyptian. Oh, she's an Egyptian. And can you remember when I started to read in verse 16 this morning? He treated well, Abraham well for her sake, yet sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants. Female donkeys and camels. This gift, because I told you about the domino effect, because Abraham had made one wrong decision, having to make another lie, having to receive gifts to make everything look proper, took into his company a young girl called Hagar, who was to become the thorn in the flesh of humanity. How close, how um, careful you and I have got to be when we receive gifts or receive accolades from people who do not know the Lord. You know how far this transgression has reached into Abram's experience and indeed into the lives of people even today. It all seems so proper. It all seems so right. But how dangerous it was. How complicated it has become. And how savage its result. You know, we need to be so careful. We need to be in touch with God. We need to be involved in His Word. We need to be jealous for His character, for His name, for His reputation. You know, in the words of that chorus, you are all I need. It's your face I seek in the presence of your light. Not my light. Not my understanding, not my thoughts, not my legitimacies, not my expediencies, not my practicalities, but in your light, we bow down. The Pharaoh saw straight through Abraham. You know, with the calamities that he was enduring, he knew that Abraham was the cause. What is this you have done to me? Remember what the sailor said to Jonah? Why? Have you done this to us? What is this that you have done to me? Why have you done it? No, because they also, the mariners, also knew and understood the cause of their calamities. What did they ask Jonah to do? They asked him to leave. The quick way. They threw him overboard. You know, this was a bad incident for Abraham. He didn't come out of it covered in glory, I don't think. In fact, he also too was asked to leave fortunately for him it wasn't overboard but for Abraham it was the final humiliation the world that he was called to reach had become estranged to him in his eagerness to do the will of God you want the call or the people that we are called to reach we can become estranged to 
If in our eagerness we do try to do the will of God. Not because I know and we will know it and feel its scorn and its rejection. Not because of the gospel. No, that's common. That's normal. That's to be expected, says Jesus. When you go out and tell the people that they're sinners and that Jesus Christ is their saviour, it doesn't sort of sit very well with a lot of people. And they will sort of turn their back on you. But there's another way of scorning and receiving their scorn and rejection. And that is going about it the wrong way. The way that God hasn't called us to. If only. Can you remember what I said last week? That Abraham had parked his tent by Bethel, by Ai, right in the middle. So he was in touch with God. At the same time, he was unveiled to the world. And do you know that's where he should have stayed? And that's where we need to be. In touch with God. Unveiled to the world. And you know, I believe that uh, we will be accepted more by those who are out there than ever if we go and push God's will or manoeuvre God's will or manipulate God's will just to think that we can get it done I know God is slow I know I wish that we could cheer him up a little bit we, I've been tempted and probably have gone into situations because I've thought that God has been too slow to do something you know, I remember many, many years ago, we decided to have a mission in Blind Ronda. Why on earth did we want a mission in Blind Ronda when God had placed us in a strip? Why did we do it? But of course, it was the thing to do. Let's get a mission going. Let's get up to Blind Ronda. And I got drummed out to Blind Ronda by a Methodist minister. <laughs> Not by the world, by a Methodist minister. And I... And and I listened to her on the phone telling me what for. I thought to myself, but God has called me to Australia. You're right. Why am I spending my time in blind wonder when God has called us to Australia? And from that moment on, I've never left you. And a lady came here there, well, 15, 20 years ago perhaps, and asked us to join her in a mission to Trialo. I said, no. Our place is Australia. Australia. She was from Ammonfoot. So, you know, and you expect, well, everybody saved in Ammonfoot. We all come down to Trialo to do a mission. No one, God has called us. I, I know that people are called to go to different places. Of course they are. But I believe that God has called me here. You know, you learned. I learned over the years. If only Abraham had stayed in Bethel. If only he trusted. If only he'd understood. You are my thoughts this morning is for us is to stay close to the Lord stay fixed in his word listen to his still small voice never be found manipulating never be found scheming or even deceiving yourselves God will show you if you listen he'll show you if you listen you know it's the secret of living in God's will as opposed to doing it listen and if you listen he will tell you. And what he tells you, you follow to the letter. Don't stick an Egypt in just to make it more exciting or more palatable. Listen to his words.